Hello and welcome to Understanding Jesus. Da, My da, name da, is da. Daniel. I'm here with Pastor Troy. And we have a guest this week. We are so excited. It's not just a guest. Not just a it's guest. It's a very special guest because this is the very first guest. Where, where Was this podcast 32? Uh, yeah. And so 31? No, pod- 31. 31? 31. Oh, it's podcast 31? Yeah. I've been thinking 32. I think, I, oh, wow. So I was here 30 now, weeks now ago. I've, I've messed up the whole thing. So I was here 30 <laughs> podcasts ago. You were here 30 podcasts ago. Evan was with us. Wow. He started our us off, our first. very first podcast. It was not our best podcast. I'm just going to say we, we've learned a little <laughs> bit since, since then. then. We've improved uh, all, all technically and, and just about every way imaginable. Yeah. Um, but is it? can you listen to the first podcast? Is it on there? It is on there. Oh, yeah. so you can go back and listen to Evan's. Evan, Evan, but I will say this. As far as guests go... You were one of the most insightful people we've had. That's Ayo. good. That's good. That's we good. started out on a super high note, and, and you raised the bar way up there. <laughs> it was all downhill. It was all downhill from there. Well, it actually was Whitney and Caleb, right? So. Yeah, don't, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> that was cool because there were two of them. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but that see, I raised the bar, and then, and then we, you know, Whitney, I heard, was just really loud. So. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> okay. I heard that from Whitney. So. All, right. Okay, well, all right, whatever. So go back and listen to the previous 30 podcasts, yeah. and then let us know whether you think Evan was the best. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, then do a comparison of this podcast with number one, and say which Evan was better. Was yeah. Evan and. And, and we don't even know. I'm it's, still partial to that week that George was with us. I think he was with us a couple of weeks. Yeah. But he made a funny joke one week. So go back and listen to George, the George weeks, too. Did, George has that super dry sense of humor. <laughs> Although Evan has a joke for us today. We don't share it yet. Save that. Oh, save, 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 save the it. joke. Save yeah, it. Save oh. it. We want to build up here. No spoilers. We want to keep... keep On Facebook, they keep already it. We want people to start... Yeah, exactly. We want people to start calling friends and so forth and going, you got to hear this joke. Uh, so <laughs> get people listening. Uh, okay, well, today on the podcast, we're actually catching up October. We took a break, and so we did uh, we did two podcasts, one where we did all of August readings, one we did all of September readings, which is our last podcast, and then today we are doing uh, October all the way up through um, the, somewhere in Jeremiah. <laughs> somewhere in Jeremiah. Uh, we did Psalms uh, all the way up to Psalm 119, and, um, and then Ephesians... Uh, Philippians, Colossians, and all the way to First Thessalonians. So, Ooh. a lot. So, when we get into the letters, the letters aren't very long, so we you can cover multiple things buzz a week through. even. Yeah, yeah, we buzz through them. So, so anyway, uh, if you have uh, uh, if you have not caught up with the reading, I, I just want to encourage you. This is a great time to jump in. You know, because we're getting ready to come to the end of the year. When we get to January, we'll start back in Genesis 1-1 as the Bible begins. We start with Matthew 1-1. We start with Psalm 1. We start with Proverbs 1. But uh, And you can, are welcome to start with us. But sometimes when we get started in those places, it gets a little it's, bit tired, yeah. rough to get through um, mm. Leviticus and Numbers. They bog you down. And uh, and so this is a great jump in now. Yeah, you're gonna hit Revelation about uh, Christmas time, and so you're gonna be really you're gonna be ready for Genesis if you <laughs> if you just come out of Revelation. Uh, so um, so anyway, this is a great place to jump in and do the reading. But we're gonna uh, share a little bit about. Um, um, well, uh, well, first, is there anything new in your life, Evan? You wanna share? You still going to school? Yeah, still going to school. Yeah, cool. yeah, that's that's step one, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm getting close to graduation, so that's good. All right, cool. So, 
Cool, 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 cool. So the goal is, um, to, the goal is to graduate before Sarah, yeah. who started two years after me. I just finished my second master's degree. Yeah. So now you have a goal. If you get two master's degrees before you're 51, there you go. There you, we go. You're, you're I, better than me. Yeah, beat you. I yeah. had to finish Hebrew. And, yeah. There you go. Now so. we were looking at our hours the other day, and Sarah was noticing that she is almost where I'm at. I've already been told this. Your parents shared this with me. Yeah. So Sarah, she, Sarah, she just keeps she taking. She says she's way ahead of you. She's going she's yeah, to leave she you keep, on her desk. She keeps taking so many extra classes, and I've just taken the regular route, you know. So, and yeah, there's no there's no award. Edmund's on a six year program. program. Right. Yeah, I've been on I've been on a five year business program from the start, and Sarah's <laughs> yeah. on a two and a half year business program. I was so. in the nine year uh, bachelor's degree program, so I, I was going for records. But the um, um, it, I had and the sad part is, I finished the first three years in three years. <laughs> So it took me six years to do one year, wow. uh, but that's what getting married and having children will do for your college oh, experience. I understand so, now. <laughs> so yes, then it was taking one class every year. Half kids, <laughs> one study. Uh, all right, cool. Well, we're gonna we're gonna come back and uh, and look and see what uh, what insightful things Evan can share with us about God's word. All right, we are back. This is the devotional segment. If you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you kind of know the drill. That's right. But we're going to go around the circle. That's right. This, we'll ping, him, ping pong ping. Ping pong ping. Um, ping pong ping. And uh, I'll, I'm going to start, and then we'll go to Pastor Troy, and then we'll That's go right. to um, Evan. Because, and, and, and this is what we're doing when we are reading through the Bible, and we, we are encouraging everybody to read through the Bible. We want you to see, as you do your Bible reading, you should be asking God to kind of highlight things for you. Do the whole, let the Holy Spirit speak to you and say, uh, just say, when you read a passage, sometimes they just it kind of illuminates. Uh, the Holy Spirit illuminates a passage where you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that before, or mm -hmm. that really means something, or something sticks out that sticks out more than other things, I guess. And so we write those things down and we share them with you, but just to illustrate uh, that you can do exactly the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. I mean, Daniel and I are Bible scholars. That's why we bring yeah. Evan in. Yeah. We have the Bible so memorized, if so Evan we know. can do this. I, I, I like, I'd like to attain the phrase Bible learner, <laughs> Bible, Bible amateur. <laughs> so. yes. Cool. All right. Um, how crazy would that be to have the Bible memorized? Just so this, like, I, I, people I know would people do that. that there, was a, yeah. there was a guy that came to a church a few years back, and he did like a three-part, like, Thing. He did Saturday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday evening, and he quoted the entire thing. Wow. Yeah, from start to finish, and like, I think it was... The entire Bible? The entire Bible. I, I, I knew a father and a son who had the Bible memorized, and then they went back and memorized it in Greek, the New Testament in Greek. No. And then both did that, and then, and then one was memorized <laughs> the, the Old Testament in Hebrew. Um, mm -hmm. And I think one was doing it in Latin or something, but just those those are crazy, crazy memory, people. But yeah, but those people. But it was very extremely impressive. Next that, level. Uh, but uh, a very devoted group. But you know, it's good to know that there are people like that out there, so that if every single Bible on the planet <laughs> was ever removed, we, we could have somebody that could reproduce it. <laughs> kind of like uh, there was a movie about that. There you was. Know, yeah, with the Denzel Washington, where he had. Oh, the, Book of Eli. Yeah, Book of yes. Eli. Yes. Yeah. That's not a promotion or paid. Yeah, exactly. Promotion. Yeah, exactly. A... We're not saying to watch it. We're just saying yeah. that there was. That there not was. only is there a movie, there are people in real life who can do that. Well, because yeah. yeah, that was great. I I really enjoyed that movie for that reason. Yeah. What he was doing that whole time. Yeah, it was it was kind of. But I won't spoil it in case yeah, you've seen it. It's kind of already a spoiler, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. Moving along. Moving along. So um, anyway, I'm gonna pick up in Philippians. <laughs> 
Um, we've got a couple couple notes from Philippians in this podcast, so I'm going to kick it off in uh, chapter 2. Uh, I love this section, um, just 2, 5 through 11. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It's not that much, um, and I think it'll speak for itself, but I'll I'll add my own, I'll add some, some thoughts. Um, starting in verse 5, chapter 2 of Philippians, it says, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taken on the likeness of men, and when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, a lot of us have heard this Bible verse um, thrown around a lot. Um, It's a great one to throw around. This is actually um, an early church hymn. They took um, Paul's words to the Philippians and kind of made it a song. It's something I found out in a little bit of research. And um, this word... um, kenosis, I think is is how you probably pronounce it, kenosis, in uh, verse 7, the emptying of himself, of Christ. Um, just the fact that they took this section and made it into a, like a worship song and like mm. the, and got circulated and is now like in the scriptures, like God's word, like worship song, God's word Bible. Like I wish that, you know, Sovereign Grace Music or Elevation Worship would, Hillsong would put out a song that was God's word from God that says, now you may worship with this. That would be so good. Uh, But we have this one, um, and I love what it tells us about worship and what it tells us about Christ. Um, First, it starts with an emptying of the ultimate worship leader, like Christ, the ultimate worshiper, um, Jesus, um, empties himself. Um, So when we approach worship, we should empty ourselves. Um, and and through the whole time, but even before we begin, we should like come prepared, ready to pour ourselves out for the Lord. Um, and then it goes on and says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Well, we have this physical response um, to to Christ, um, bowing our bodies. Like we don't like to do that in the circles that I run in. We don't like to move our bodies very much during worship. And um, I hear a lot of reasons for that um, mentality, but Arthritis. but. Huh? Arthritis. arthritis being one of them. Yeah, thank you. Um, but the the bending of the knee is is so good, for, like our bodies leading our hearts. Um, and then it says, and every tongue should confess. Like this, then it's the vocal response. So like it's a heart, physical, and vocal response in worship. And if we only do one of them, then maybe we're missing like two thirds of the worship experience. So um, anyway, I was just reading this, and after I found out that it was a a song from the early church, um, then I just started picking it apart and um, really just grew to love this section in Philippians. Mm. So, I love Philippians. I love Philippians. I mean, it is, it is Paul's love letter to the church at Philippi. And we, um, when I was a youth, when I was a youth, um, <laughs> when I was in um, a youth group, our pastor challenged us to memorize the entire book of Philippians. Mm. It's the only book, we were talking about people who memorize the Bible, it's the only book I've ever memorized the entire book. Oh, that's and cool. when I taught school, I challenged our class to memorize and, and they, they did it too. They were so impressive. They were fifth graders. What? But uh, yeah, so fifth graders cool. have amazing memories. But anyway, um, I have, a, I want to share something from, this is one of those neat moments where, you know, we've talked about before when you are reading something, the Old Testament reading, and then there will be a corresponding New Testament reading. Oh, yeah. Now, this doesn't work out perfectly, but but the reading from one day, uh, October 3rd reading, 
corresponds to the New Testament reading on the very next day, which is super cool to me. But it comes from Isaiah chapter 59, and uh, where, uh, where it's talking about the Lord readying himself as a warrior against the sin uh, and, and of his people, and that they have gotten them, Isaiah is talking about how the people have gotten themselves into a sin problem that they can't fix for themselves. And um, and he says, uh, he saw in verse, 50, in verse 16 of chapter 59, he says, he saw that there was no man. He was amazed that there was no one interceding. So his own arm brought salvation and his own righteousness supported him. He put on righteousness as body armor and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and he wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. And, and that, that spiritual armor, Paul picks up on that in Ephesians chapter six, which was the very next day, uh, day's reading, but uh, which is so cool to me. But in, in verse 18, he says, so he will repay according to their deeds, fury to his enemies, retribution to his foes, and he will repay the coast and islands they will fear the name of the Lord in the west and his glory in the east, for he will come like a rushing stream driven by the wind of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Zion, and to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, this is the Lord's declaration. Um, and then verse 21, he says, As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of your children's children from now on and forever, says the Lord. And, you know, I was thinking how that faith that we possess uh, is, it was the faith that I possess was passed down to me from my father. And the faith that he possessed was passed down from his father and, and how generation after generation, the spirit of the Lord comes upon us and renews this covenant with us. And and then and the word of God is then in our mouths and continues to be on our mouths, something we share over and over again. You know, I, and had the I've had the joy of sharing the gospel with my children, sharing the gospel with my grandchildren and, and how that it's just remarkable that it just continue. What a great blessing that is but i have this uh, isaiah is giving us this picture that god is just not satisfied to just see us not being able to overcome our own sin that he puts on the armor and uh and it's kind of this you know we talk about putting on the armor of god uh the spiritual armor it literally is his armor just like david when he was going to fight goliath didn't have armor and he and uh, couldn't put on the king's armor because it was too great for him but God was his armor, and in the same way God is our armor, he provides the armor that we have. We literally have the strength, the power of God, the defense, defensive weapons, the offensive weapons that come through the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and do this war. And, and really, we should look at it like that in the lives of our friends, in the lives of our family, that we should go to war with the sin that is combating <laughs> against them. Uh, he, and he And he also throws in, not only am I going to rescue my children, I'm going to defeat uh, my enemies, and I'm going to give them the retribution that they um, that they are asking for. And then, verse six, chapter 60, he says, verse one, which is just a great transition. He says, "Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines over you." Um, and just you know, just a, just a wonderful reminder of how uh, we have a faith that has been. Um, there's, I mean, there's nothing more important than bringing people into the presence of Jesus Christ. And, and that needs to be, we wake up every day, put on the armor and look at us as going out. You know, I think back to like 
and, and different disasters in our world and you have these firemen and, and policemen and different people going into these buildings and pulling people out and you bring dogs and so forth looking for people to rescue. Just our desire to discover is anyone out there alive? Is there anyone to rescue? And you know the, the passion of our heart should be as believers to have that same mentality to go out into the world each day and searching and looking for those people who are God's children in, in need of the gospel, in need of being redeemed so that they can be rescued. And, and we're, that's, that's how we are. We're those agents of rescue going out def, you know, fully armored to protect ourselves from all the dangers that are out there, but searching for those lost children uh, so that we can bring them into, uh, into the light. So anyway, it's powerful stuff. Yeah. Cool. All right, Evan, man. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll do the Jeremiah one then, um, since um, it kind of leads straight into that. So you're talking about putting on the armor of God. These people kind of took it off. So, <laughs> um, but uh, so anyway, in Jeremiah, it seems like it's us on Daniel on the phone earlier. It's kind of it seems like a repeating story throughout Jeremiah. Um, but uh, two verse thirteen says, "For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves, crack." themselves crack cisterns that cannot hold water you know um i think it's kind of interesting because not only have they you know abandoned him and left the teachings that they had been given from david and stuff like um what troy was just talking about um they've actually like chosen to follow baal at this point who is uh, it's an idol and um it's just talking about that and, and um so I went and looked at the uh, the title of this section in this um, I'm in the CSB here as um, Israel accused of apostasy. So I was like, I don't even know what that word means. So I looked it up, and um, Webster Dictionary told me that abandonment or um, renunciation of religious or political beliefs. So it's um, so this is um, Jeremiah literally is just telling them, you know, you you have left, uh, every, you have completely turned away, and, and you've given up on your um, beliefs that you had before, um, and the things that that God told them to do as a people, they have completely turned away from them. And uh, so, hmm. I love Jeremiah, and and just more so, more than love Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah. I love the person Jeremiah. The book is. I, I remember you telling us that when you first came here in your first few sermons, you were like, you just. I think your first few sermons were from Jeremiah, yeah. if I remember, and you talked about how much you love Jeremiah. I remember that now. <laughs> well, because he he was so faithful in the midst of adversity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I'm I'm hard pressed to think of a person who God gave a harder task to <laughs> to say, okay, everybody's going to hate you. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't marry anybody. You can't have any children. Mm-hmm. Uh, your life's gonna stink from from day one, and uh, and it's like other people who are doing what he is doing were killed. You know, it's like they mm-hmm. would drag him for the king, and it's like so he is knows that it could happen to him. Yeah. It doesn't happen to him, but it is, um, and it's just wow, just to but never quits, never quits sharing mm-hmm. that message to people who do not want to hear it, and mm-hmm. and everybody everybody. I mean, to be told repeatedly, mm-hmm. you're hurting our country, you're hurting our nation. You know, you're, you, everything you're doing is destroying people's lives, and why can't you change your message yet to be so convinced that God gave me this message, and I can't alter mm. it or change it, and was faithful to do that. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I feel disconnected from the people in the Old Testament compared to the New Testament, just because I, I think it's really easy, um, especially in the modern church, just lean on the New Testament, since mm. that is Christ, right? 
And um, it's easy to ignore the fact that the Old Testament is very similar and tells yeah. the same story. Yeah. Um, and that, that's kind of in Philippians 1, it talks about, you know, Christ, that's where Paul talks about um, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Mm. And um, it's kind of the same thing for Jeremiah throughout his life um, where he's choosing to share the gospel or in this case, share the um, share God's commands at this point. And mm. um doesn't matter about his life because he knows that God God is protecting him even if he dies. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I you know we were talking about that the other night in in worship um, or in Sunday at Bible study. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how in Jeremiah you have a guy who um, who really is telling people to abandon. I mean, I, when you think about it in today's context, he's telling people to abandon mm-hmm. their country and to and just to be taken into captivity. And not to fight. Mm-hmm. He says, if you stay here and fight, you're going to die. And so just go out. He says to leave the city mm-hmm. and turn yourselves over to the Babylonians. And mm-hmm. and you think, I can't even imagine that type of voice in our world today, mm-hmm. how that would be received. <laughs> yeah. You know, turn your back on the country and just give yourself over to this foreign power, to these enemies, because that's God's judgment. And that's the only way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the only way you're going to be preserved. And the people who will do that are going to be taken and preserved in this other country, and then God's going to bring you back. But, but who listens to that message? Nobody would. I mean, we have the same <laughs> response as Israel. Yeah. I mean, Jeremiah tried yeah. to say that. Yeah. yeah. It'd be ridiculous. Go kick rocks, bro. <laughs> kick rocks. <That's> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Daniel, what do you got, man? Sure. So um, we were in Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 5. I mean, all of Ephesians is dope. Right, it's so good. Uh, it's one of my favorite letters. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just so thick of stuff. But I just think it's funny. We we were reading, we covered like half of the books in the New Testament this month in October, right? Yeah. Or we're about to. And um, in Philippians, you know, love each other, love each other, love each other, love each other. Colossians, submit to each other, submit to each other, submit to each other, submit to each other. And then yeah. and we're like, yeah, go Paul, you're so right, we should do that. And Ephesians 5 comes around and it says, hey, wives, submit, hey, husbands, love. And we're like, hmm, mm-hmm. let's pick this one apart for a while. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I, just, I just laugh at us as Christians that we just don't, when we're like, when it gets a little more specific instead of broad, you know, and Paul says, mm-hmm. do this to this person, you know. Yeah. You know, husbands, you know you're submit, supposed to submit to everyone, right? Wives, you know you're supposed to submit to everyone. <laughs> That's right. Right? Husbands but, and wives, you know you're supposed to love everyone. Right. But when it come, when it's targeted at that person that you live with, yeah. and it's like, oh, well, I don't want to do that. Not to that one person. Hmm. So, like... W- Are you talking to your wife right now? Is I'm that- talking... Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to myself later because I'm sure she'll, she'll give it back to me. <laughs> um, but, like... <laughs> like all through scriptures, especially the New Testament, we're told, you know, love each other with a sacrificial love. There's no greater love than one who's willing to lay down their life for their friends. We have Jesus as, as this example of that. And but mm. then like when it comes to my wife kind of inconveniencing what I want to do with my life, mm. then it's then, oh, all of a sudden I'm in my feelings about it. Or yeah. or and I can imagine it's the same for for women who mm. are married. This, you know, it says wives submit to your husbands um oh well okay submit to each other as to the lord i would absolutely do that but when you want to submit to a man specifically when you're married to especially in the culture we live in it's like oh i don't want to do that because oppression and so there's some kind of disconnect and i don't know this doesn't count as a question it's just an observation i don't know why we do that when christ says to do that with everyone Right. I think it's. I think maybe Paul's trying to lay down a groundwork here for 
it's hard for you, like an observation that it's hard for you to submit. And he gives other reasons. And I'm, yeah. I'm not, they're, they're, he, he likes it to Christ in the church. Right. And that's a huge thing that we, we've, I've, I've talked about before. Um, but, but I think it is, there's an observation there that it's hard when it's the person you're living with right. um, to do those things. Um, well, he makes it real. Yeah, you know, it, it gets real at that point because uh, you're right. It is about submitting to each other, and he's like, "Let me give you an example," mm-hmm. and and it's like, "Oh, wow." You know yeah, who you don't want to submit to. You know who you don't want to love sacrificially. Right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I that's that's for me. Because um, yeah. if you can't do it at home, you can't do it at the you're church. You're not going to do it anywhere, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Certainly wow. can't do it like Christ does. Yeah, and Ephesians is that. I mean, really, if if you had to, you were saying about Philippians being love and Colossians being. Uh, what you, I don't know what you said about Colossians, but but in Ephesians, it really is a treatise on spiritual warfare. Mm. I mean, Paul is is really sending a message to the church of saying, you're in the battle of your lives, and and here is what you need to know in order to survive. And when we do not submit, we lose. And and that and, and, and you know when you do biblical counseling and you're seeing things that are coming up in people's lives and and where they're failing in lives, that's something you always go back to is. Are you having a difficulty sub- submitting, uh, or is idolatry pushing you to um, to not submit, mm. um, or are you submitting to the wrong to others besides God? Um, I am I'm back in Isaiah, um, and just uh, Isaiah is just to me I just in, in the Old Testament it seems like Jesus goes back to Isaiah over and over again, and and, and there's so many prophecies in Isaiah. He was such he went through so many kings of 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 Judah too that it was just uh, his his ministry and and calling was such a, a on such a grand scale. Um, but in Isaiah 65, uh, he says, uh, the Lord says this in verse eight, as the new wine is found in a bunch of grapes and one says, don't destroy it, for there's some good in it. So I will act because of my servants and not destroy them all. I will produce descendants from Jacob and heirs to my mountains from Judah. My chosen ones will possess it, and my servants will dwell there. Sharon will be a pasture for flocks, and the valley of Echor a place for herds to lie down. For my people who have sought me, but you who abandon the Lord, who forget my holy mountain, who prepare a table for fortune and will fill bowls of mixed wine, fill bowls of mixed wine for destiny, I will destine you for the sword, Ooh. and all of you will kneel down to be slaughtered because I called you and you did not answer. I spoke and you did not hear. You did what was evil in my sight and chose what I did not delight in. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. My servants will eat, but you will be hungry. My servants will drink, but you will be thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. My servants will shout for joy from a glad heart, but you will cry out from an anguished heart, and you will lament out of a broken spirit. You will leave your name behind as a curse for my chosen ones, and the Lord God will kill you, but he will give his servants another name. Whoever asks for a blessing in the land will ask for a blessing by the God of truth, and whoever swears in the land will swear by the God of truth, for the former troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my sight, for I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind and he is uh, this amazing thing that's going to come back to us in revelation where god is saying you know what i'm i'm going to judge this place i'm going to set it right and i'm going to make it new i'm making all things new it's such a powerful reminder for us in a time where it seems like everything is falling apart 
where you you, you and and also a reminder. You know, we talked uh, we were talking about this last night, but we had showed a picture or we talked about a picture we had seen uh, of the COVID in back in or not COVID but Spanish flu back in 1918 mm. and a picture of a football game and everybody was wearing masks up in the stands and so forth. Oh, yeah. It's like I I don't have any recollection in my childhood of seeing football games where people were wearing masks in the stands and so forth. So at some point between 1918 and all of my youth and all the way to to 2020. Uh, we were going without mask, so so that is forgotten. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. that was I, until somebody brought that picture up. I didn't know of it. Nobody talked about it. Nobody shared about it. It was a forgotten time, and what we are going through right now will also be a forgotten time. Mm-hmm. Everything that we're experiencing, everything we're going through, at some point will not even be a memory. Mm-hmm. And and it, our lives are like that. All the things that we anguish over and agonize over and stress over and so forth, we those things will be forgotten very quickly. Our entire life will be forgotten. I mean, we did this exercise one time. We said, who's your, uh, you know, what did your dad do? What did your granddad do? What did your great-grandfather do? What did your great-great-grand, unless you're, unless you're a person who does all this history and, and family tree mm-hmm. stuff, you have no idea. <laughs> you get back a few generations and you got nothing. And if you did, you're just getting pieces of it and so forth. But the, but to try to think of the things that they worried about, that they stressed about, the things that were important to them, their dreams, ambitions, we know none of those things. And that is true for us as well. Mm-hmm. The things that last are is our, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the life that he has for us. That's eternal. What The work we are doing for the Lord lasts forever. So to spend the bulk of our time and energy on the things that pass away, it just makes no sense. And it's a trap of the enemy. You know, it goes back to Ephesians. That's the spiritual war that we're in is that the enemy is trying to take that from us, to lie and deceive and to tell us those things are important. But, but, and when you realize that, I can submit to other people, you know, and I can love my wife as Christ loves the church and give up the life that I have, lose my life so that I can receive the one he has to give because I realize my life has no value or pertinence apart from Christ. So, uh, so anyway, Isaiah just, uh, again, he's, he's laying the groundwork for this messianic fulfillment and, and really talking about a kingdom that came when Jesus came, but hasn't been totally realized yet, but gives us something very meaningful to look forward to. So, all right. And one more, let's do one more. Okay. Um, that kind of reminds me of like, the, just, you know, we talk about Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all sorts of different things that we like, we struggle with every day, you know, or I do sometimes, but, um, you know, you get on there and you spend way too much time on social media whenever you could be doing so many other things. Mm-hmm. But, um, so my second one, I was going to go over. So I cautions to eight, but I, I figure I'll read eight through 10. Um, so, it's um, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world and not based on Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you've been filled in him who is the head over every other or over every ruler and authority. So um, I uh, this is one that um, I relate to a little bit di- different than um, in this passage here. I, I was reading around and seeing how much I thought I needed to read. I, I think that one kind of sits on own because he's kind of going through different things that he thinks are heretical inside the the i guess the church at Colossae is that how he said mm-hmm. that so um anyway so this one i think is one that kind of um 
I, I relate to more than some other people would, I think, just specifically since I go to college and, and everybody's got all these different ideas and philosophies that are flying around. We have lots of new Christians who, you know, I, I grew up in church, but a lot of my friends did not. And they, some of them are just becoming Christians and they're, they're learning new things. And, you know, this, they got this one guy over here that's trying to teach them more about who is Christ. And then they have another guy over here who's teaching them more about, um, you know, deep Calvinism or versus Armenianism versus other thoughts or, or they're, um, you know, should, you know, how should we handle uh, women leadership and ministry compared to other churches? You know, um, mm-hmm. these these big topics that really don't matter to the young Christian. What matters is who is Christ? How do I further my relationship with him? And mm-hmm. who cares about these other little topics? Um, and I I mean, I'm, I may be ignoring the human tradition, but I was just, you know, reading through the philosophy and empty to see, you know, they're, they're, they have these ideas and things that they're sharing that um, really in some ways are unnecessary. Um, and, um, and then, you know, we go to the human tradition. We can see that in the Baptist church a lot too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, we have what? the... Yeah, where we, we, we just have stuff that, that's not necessary that we, we get hung up on. Um, one of the things that I was talking to someone about a few weeks ago, we were talking about the music and hymns versus contemporary, which seems to be a hot topic. Um, I, and that not, this is an age-old um, argument. You know, we look back to, was it the, I think it's either the 5th or 15th. It doesn't really matter. It was a long time ago. They had the argument of, should we put the piano in the church or right. should it just be the organ or just the voices? Back when and, Bach was composing, yeah, yeah. Yes. And it was, it was a big, it was this big debate over, you know, they're like, we can't add these instruments in. And now we're seeing the same debate in the Christian church, but it's, can we have drums? Can we have, can we have the guitar? Um, can we have the keyboard, um, electric piano, you know? And it's just these, um, these big arguments over stuff that, that um, doesn't matter. It's tradition, and um, it's same thing for the hymns and contemporary. Now, now I, you know, we have the different arguments of you know, are are the hymns better um, in teaching than the newer stuff? And I mean, it could be, and it could be the other way around too. Um, depends on the, the thing. But what matters is the the what I mean is the, what matters is the thought behind it. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and one of the things that uh, we when we meet together as a convention and so forth, and when churches get together and talk about different issues and so forth, we have to always remind ourselves that there's a difference between primary, secondary, and tertiary issues because those are those are all things that there are things that are essential to our salvation, essential to the gospel, and those those are primary concerns. So when we talk about you know is Christ deity you know is is the word true is the bible authoritative uh and inerrant and you know and um and infallible those are primary issues mm-hmm. the but when you get into secondary issues of women in ministry and and you know and roles of deacons and and things like that and then tertiary issues like hymns mm-hmm. and and so forth you have to remember that the level of argumentation mm-hmm. needs to kind of go along with how important it yeah. is and, and one of the things I, I struggle with is is when we start something or create something that's kind of a program or mm-hmm. a new ministry I think are we creating a new or a rule you know or let's try to abide by this let's all practice this to realize that in years later am I putting this unnecessary burden this undue burden on people mm-hmm. that the Bible doesn't put on people yeah. you know that uh, you know like like wearing a tie, you know. There's nothing. You know, Jesus didn't wear a tie, but but when we when we highlight that, uh, I'm wearing a tie right now, that's why I pointed that out. But the uh, uh, but when we highlight things like that, of that, you know, 
that a tie is respectful and so forth. While there is a place for that discussion, it's a second, third, fourth layer issue. Uh, it is not on the same level. And, and I think it, when I was growing up, that really threw me off because I because we would argue more about uh, how communion was served than we would argue over the tenets of the gospel. And mm -hmm. so it makes you think the most important thing mm -hmm. is how we take up the offering, uh, how we per, how we observe communion, mm -hmm. that those are the most important, because that's what we talk about mm -hmm. the most. And so we send a message to other generations of these are super important things, obviously, because that's mm -hmm. what we argue about the most. Mm -hmm. We have to be very careful about it. Yeah, and I was actually talking to a friend on the phone earlier this morning about that, how um, I think one of the biggest failings of well, your generation, um, not to make fun, but it'll be my generation next, you know. See that bus over there? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just making fun. But but one of the biggest failings of... Uh, I'm just hoping he has to be in the right generation. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, all those people over 80. Yeah. <laughs> the builder generation. You know no, I, World War II people. Yeah, no, yeah, no I'm making fun. But but um, but what I mean is uh, is one of the biggest failings that we've had since since probably the early 1900s is just just the the focus on... I'm not in that group. Yeah, no, no. I just mean, keep going. That's okay. I don't, no, I'm, no. I'm saying everywhere from there until now. So you're in that group. So, I am from yeah. there till now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, my my point is that they they I feel like they have just um, focused on things that weren't important. Yeah. And um, but I think it's funny that you mentioned the the first, second, and tertiary degrees of importance. I my friends at school make fun of me for that because I bring it up all the time. I'm like, this is a, this is so important, and they're like, oh, is it a third degree importance? I'm like, yeah. That's right. Third degree. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Even, don't make fun of me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes, tertiary, our word for the tertiary. day. Yeah. Yeah. Tertiary. Oh, should I share my joke with them? Yes, the joke. This is a good spot for that. Yeah. Um, okay, so Psalm 115, verse 6. Um, they have ears but cannot hear, and noses but cannot smell. So I uh, thought that was a, a good COVID joke because, you know, all the people out here with COVID can't smell. <laughs> oh, my. So. Oh my. <laughs> All right, we are back, and we have a question today on uh, from First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. So for you Bible scholars out there, let's or, go. Yeah, that's right. Here, so here, we, here, we um, go. here it is. So um, my question is: Have Evan, Troy, have you guys seen Left Behind? Yes. Have you read uh, the books? Well, I read the books. Yes. Evan's seen none of it. Okay. Yes. He's shaking his head. Um, Oh, yeah, I should say no for the podcast people <laughs> out there. Yeah, um, Left Behind is a very popular Jerry series. Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye. Yes. Um, yes. They basically took their interpretation of the mm -hmm. Revelation right. and put it in, like, 12 books. Correct. And, um, it is a dispensationalist point of view. Yes. Of and very well written. Times. It is I very would well say written. it's extremely good, story. good fiction. An excellent story. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a book series that then was made into a movie. Right. Um, Several movies, actually. Three movies. Three movies, yeah. Um, Two of them actually had anything to do with the book. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the question is, um, comes from 1 Thessalonians. They're reading in there. And okay. it says, does 1 Thessalonians necessarily refer to a, quote, rapture as Left Behind pictures it? Um, so what happens? Maybe we should tell them what happens in Left Behind. Yes. In, in Left Behind, there is a... Yeah, for the viewers. Yeah. The uh, in Left Behind, uh, there is a it's a story of uh, some uh, there's an airplane pilot, uh, reporter, 
a variety of different characters and so forth. And so all these they create all these different scenes, and all of a sudden, um, the rapture occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, a, the traditional interpretation, well, the modern traditional interpretation, the dispensational interpretation of the rapture where everyone is um, taken up to meet Christ and then is gone for seven years while the tribulation occurs here upon the earth. So they instantly disappear and their clothes are neatly folded uh, left, and everybody who's still here are the people who are left behind who are not saved. All all the Christians, all saved people, all children, um, mentally challenged people, um, people who are not past the age of accountability, people not held accountable because of whatever mental um, status they have, uh, are taken, and everyone else is left behind. And so then it's about them trying to uh, still find a way to understand God and and here and so that they're uh, have they have the opportunity to still be saved during the tribulation so that they um, will still will not you know suffer eternal mm-hmm. wrath so uh, given another opportunity for salvation um, the um, uh, well I just I guess it's only fair to say that I don't hold to that point of view of eschatology I that that viewpoint really became popular back in the early 1900s and 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 then there was uh, and is taught uh, primarily at Dallas Theological Seminary and some very popular Bible teachers come from Dallas Theological Seminary and so they uh, people like Chuck Swindoll, uh, John MacArthur who is not from there but John MacArthur espouses that point of view um, and uh, a variety of different Bible teachers that that teach that uh, the Schofield Bible. Um, Schofield was a dispensationalist, so people who had a Schofield Bible in the comments, uh, you would have. That's how it would have interpreted those passages. Uh, Charles Ryrie uh, would have uh, interpreted that way. Uh, Walverd uh, was also the, uh, on that. So there's a lot of writing, a lot of teaching, a lot of modern teachers on television and so forth who espouse that point of view. And uh, in, 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 when you're talking about end times and eschatology. Uh, you have to always remember, we just, we don't know. I mean, there's so much metaphor, so much uh, prophetic language. Uh, you're trying to piece things together. In the same, it's, it's helpful to look back and see how people were confused about the coming of Jesus and to look at those passages and then kind of ask yourself, would I have figured out that it was talking about Jesus being born as a baby in Bethlehem and that his mother would be Mary and a virgin and that it would have looked this way based on just what I was reading in the Old Testament. And that's kind of the same thing of what we are trying to do with Revelation and, and the other passages uh, in the New Testament. We're trying to piece something together that doesn't always neatly fit in our way because we don't know where it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um the, but the, what First Thessalonians, just if you're just taking what the text is saying, Paul is talking about, or the word rapture means caught up, and so it's this idea that we are caught up in the air, so it's the Latin version of that, uh, that word, caught up, and so uh, that's where the word comes from. So if you're saying, will we be caught up in the air with Jesus, well, that's what the text says. So that's not that's not questioned as the being caught up part because he does say that this will happen. The question comes down to: Will we be caught up and then be kind of hang in the air for seven years with Christ while the tribulations come in and then come down, or will we be caught up with Him as He returns and uh, and then join Him as He comes to Earth in in one felt swoop? So it all happens at the same time. 
if you're reading First Thessalonians, I, I mean, and you understand the, the word is called parousia, and the parousia is a description is, is the coming of Christ, is the parousia, the coming, and and it was a concept that was not unfamiliar to Paul's readers because uh, this this idea was when an emperor or a noble or even a deity of of some other religion would return or come when they were coming, that people would leave the city basically. Uh, you would hear the horn, the the, the sound of the trumpet, um, the sh- the blast of the shofar, and so forth. That the king is on his way, and 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 you've been dwelling in the city. The king's been away at war or doing whatever the king is doing or serving in whatever other area, and you've been trying people and judging people based on your best information of what you think would be pleasing to the king. So people have been put in prison and so forth, and so years pass. But you're waiting for the king to come and set up his throne of judgment so that the, that people can be tried. So if you're innocent, obviously you want the king to be there to set you free. And if you're guilty, you're kind of lamenting <laughs> when that's going to happen. But but everybody is anxious for, especially if there's a lot of unrighteousness that's taking place and, the, and you believe the king to be righteous, you're waiting this king to come back. And so Paul is saying, is setting this stage up that he's trying to bring comfort to people uh, who are thinking that the dead... Uh, are going to miss this return of Christ. And so he's saying in 1 Thessalonians 4 that the dead, that when the coming of Jesus occurs, that the dead in Christ will rise first, meaning the very first people to be with Christ are going to be those who have gone on before us. So they're not going to miss it. They're going to be a major part of it. He said, and then those of us who are left. So there, so as Jesus is coming, he's bringing them with him. And those of us who are still here in the city, he's, then we will be caught up. The, just like in the parousia and the coming, doors of the, the gates of the city fly open. We rush out of the city up onto the hillside and form an entourage with the king and escort him into the city. He sets up his throne and, and, then, uh, and then does his righteous judgment. This is the picture that Paul is giving to us. Uh, and whether it's all just figurative language or he literally is saying this is how Jesus is going to return, um, all those things are, I don't know. But he, the point he's making is, is that those who've gone before us will not miss that, will not miss this coming of Christ. Uh, they will be a major part of it, and we will all be reunited together. And Jesus will establish his throne of judgment. And whether it looks like it did in ancient times, uh, or it has some other way it looks, you know, in our time period or whatever, uh, because you know those images aren't as prevalent for us today. But the reality is, is just uh, the word is very clear that we will, uh, like I said, the dead will be with him. We will, we will also go out to meet them. We will be changed. I mean, we will be given new bodies uh, at, at some point uh, so that we can also be eternal. But uh, we. Um, but we will all come with him. I, 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 when I look at the overall message of what God's word is saying, I tend to lean um, to believing that uh, we will, uh, there will not be that seven-year period of us that we will, that it all happens at one time. That we are caught up with him at the return of Christ. That would be in keeping with what um, the parousia meant. Um, but could I be wrong? Absolutely. Yeah, I could be. Uh, and and here's what I, I always tell myself. I, if I'm wrong and we miss the tribulation and I'm there with Jesus, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> I'm going to be I'm gonna be cool with that. Um, so but uh, but if 
of I have to endure the tribulation and then Jesus comes and then we're I'm you know so be it ready so for that. I'm ready for that too so uh, that's the um, I I, th- I kind of think sometimes we uh, the reason why I, I I'm leery of those kind of that mindset is I think it's a very American idea mm-hmm. to think that we escape uh, judgment and wrath that, that we have a nice comfortable life. And God will never allow us to go through any type of persecution or tribulation when there's so many people in the world who are enduring that right now. It's never and, been how it's been and, and they are history. And they are very righteous people. It's not that we're better than they are or, more, or less deserving mm-hmm. of judgment or wrath, but uh, people going through some very t- great times of tribulation. Not that I believe it is the great. I believe there is a great tribulation that will occur. Um, but as to whether the church will be present on this earth during it or not, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't think, um, I don't think the word gives us a clarity that uh, that we will that we will be absolved from that. But I do know this: we will be delivered through it, and uh, and at the end, uh, we will all rejoice at His appearing. So, cool, good word. All right, well that is it. That's it. Good deal. Yeah, well we'll, we'll do this guys, again. Yeah, next week. 